0: All right. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to another episode of My Brother Re- uh, Made Me Review This. So right now, we are on our third episode, and we are reviewing uh, Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. Uh, I am your co-host, Matt, and I am joined by uh, the, the wonderful and talented Madison. Say hello, hello. Madison. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um uh, hi i'm your other co-host madison and that intro makes me nervous
0: oh no i mean this is uh this was a good one this is so for everyone listening this is our most up-to-date movie uh, most of our movies have been in the past with the uh, face-off and aliens so now we're doing something in the uh uh 2020 actually 2021 so right now it's 2022 madison we, now, we need to catch up <laughs> but yep. but yeah, but I will say, um, uh, I will say overall, I, I like this movie, and uh, but I am partial to the director. one of my favorite directors, Edgar Wright. Uh, also directed uh, Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, and uh, my one of my favorite movies of all time, The uh, World's End. Madison, did you, um, would you do would you like to say anything about this movie before we get started?
1: Um, well, I'll say I also love those movies i think they're called the three flavors cornetto trilogy um because nothing they don't have anything in common other than some of the actors and the director but in each movie at some point a different flavor of cornetto ice cream is shown um so Mm. the edgar wright that i am most familiar with is comedy so this is quite a departure
0: yeah, and actually, you know, uh, I think his movie before this wasn't a straight up comedy either. This is under thriller. His other movie, was, his last movie was uh, Something Baby. And I should know this. I think it's ahead baby of Driver. Our... Baby Driver, yeah. So mm-hmm. that was not a pure comedy either. So uh, maybe he was building up to this. Yeah. But um, yeah, so this movie was released in 2021 and it was shortly in theaters and then uh, streaming uh, because people are still getting back to the, uh, back to, back to the cinema slowly. But uh, this movie stars um, uh, uh, an actress named Thompson McKenzie named El- uh, her character's name is Eloise. And I'm not very familiar with her, but uh, Eloise is a, Aspiring fashion designer who is being raised by her grandmother in a small uh, town in England. And um, she doesn't have her mother. Uh, her, people had thought her mother was uh, schizophrenic. And um, and uh, uh, do you remember what her demise was?
1: Uh, it was suicide.
0: Suicide. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, and so anyway, um, she gets she gets uh, accepted into a uh, a prestigious fashion school, fashion design school in northern London, and her grandmother's already well, like any parent um, or uh, guardian, um, very cautious about her her granddaughter moving to the big city. And on her own for the first time in her life. So uh, she moves there. And. Uh, uh, at f- yep. Can
1: I. I just want to hop in real fast. <laughs> sure. sure. Because. Um, I do want to talk about a couple of things with this intro. Mm-hmm. Which one of which. Uh, Eloise occasionally will look into a mirror and see her mother's ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and the very first scenes of the movie are Eloise in a very 50s style um uh poofy dress that she's made with I think like newspapers or something like that and um a 60s song is playing and she's dancing around the house and I knew almost nothing about this movie um before I started watching it so I I struggled for the first scene I thought like oh it's set in the 60s and then I noticed like different decor around her room and I was like oh well maybe it's a little more modern maybe it's mm-hmm. 70s and then something I think else that, would happen that I might would
0: have go, been, that's a good point that might have been 80s intense.
1: maybe it's not ni- exactly 80s maybe it's 90s and it's not until she's on the
0: all right so we just got disconnected for a second that's why you probably heard a little bit of a cut There, Uh, but Madison, you were saying that you uh, when you were when you were watching the intro, you were unclear of what time period it was because of the um, the music and what she was wearing.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, as I was watching these little things that were in her room, would catch my eye because I started off and I thought this is the '60s, and then oh, maybe it's the '80s. This seems a little more modern, and. It wasn't until she was on the train to London wearing a pair of Beats headphones that I was like, "Oh, okay, this is this is present day." Mm-hmm. Um, but I I absolutely think that was intentional and a really well crafted intro because as we go through the movie, the a lot of the theme of it, I guess, is that Eloise is a girl sort of. Outside of the flow of time, in some ways, yes, yeah,
0: um, but yeah. So she gets accepted into the design school and uh, she moves in to the dormitory where she has a room. She's meeting a a few people that are around her room and also in her program, and they all seem very nice. And um, I'd say it was about three ladies. And then she meets her roommate, who uh, at first seems very nice to her. But then um, she she catches her behind her back. Uh, I think she's in a restroom stall or something. And she overhears uh, her roommate being pretty negative about her. Because like you were saying, Eloise is, you know, outside the concepts of time. But she's really, you could tell that she is, um, she's not, uh, she, she's not a conformist, I would say. And you, what was that, Madison?
1: Yeah, this is a part I hated.
0: (laughs) No, I didn't like it either, but I I think Um, you intended to not like it.
1: Yeah, but I hated it for the wrong, for not the reason the director wanted me to hate it.
0: Okay, catch us up on what happened and what you didn't like.
1: So, oh, and I also want to mention something that happens a lot throughout this movie is um, very constant, casual misogyny so like she is in uh, a lift or an uber some kind of car on the way to her dorm and um the taxi driver makes a joke about like haha now i get to know where you live i love pretty young college girls or like something like that and um she decides she says okay let me off here and gets out and walks and it's just oh uh, i think those comments, well he creeps
0: her out but he creeped her out, but I thought that was, I thought that was more like, um, cause I didn't know much about the movie going in, but I thought that that was, I mean, of course I'm looking at it from a different angle as you, but I thought that was um, her just moving to the city, being already scared. Then someone telling her, Hey, this is kind of a rougher area. And so then that compiled with the taxi driver first hitting on her. And then, he kind of, when she got out of the cab, he kind of lingered. And I thought at first I was thinking, oh, he's lingering because not as a predator, but to, to make sure that she's getting where she's going, okay.
1: Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I think you're, <laughs> I think you're giving this cab driver way more credit than he is due. Yeah, she, he says that very stalker comment, and she says, "Let me out," and she goes into a store and peeks and sees the car still there. And this guy has given no indication that he cares about her as a person. He has only made creepy comments. Right. Um, so he is definitely, and he made a comment about stalking and then he's lingering. So oh, right? Okay. I, I, I don't, I really, I really don't think so, but um, that's something that I think repeats itself a lot in the movie and it's intentional for sure. Um, of you know just just the little things that men can say that make you feel very unsafe suddenly okay well um, okay but the the roommate thing oh my god that th- okay so this killed me because it just felt so cliche it felt so cliche and so contrived and so counter to reality because the reason the roommate and the other girls start making fun of her is that she wore clothes that she designed herself and they're all like oh my gosh can you can you believe this i'm they're at the london college of fashion and it's just so stupid like in the real world are you kidding they're making i would hope over... not
0: i would <laughs> hope not but you know i mean uh there might be some people even listening to this that would say no people are that vicious
1: well people are that vicious but rarely at a trade school and uh, you know like rarely there and like it's not it's not high school um you know, it's just—I don't know. It, it did this thing, and so maybe this is starting to reveal itself. I was not a fan of this movie, and I expected to be. Mm, okay. Um, it kind of pitches itself as a very feminist movie, but it—it it did. Yeah, I, hardcore is
0: not. <laughs> well, let me let me let me move down the road um, a little bit. Let me move down the road a little bit.
1: Okay, go uh, for
0: it. Okay. So, yeah, that that encounter happened and so that inspired her to move out which any person would do. <laughs> and so uh she I don't know she got a she got a job bartending. I don't even know if she was thinking of finding a side job, but it seemed like it was out of necessity to get an apartment. And it was um it was like a room with a bathroom? Uh, was it a full blown apartment? Because I don't think it had a kitchen. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it had a kitchen.
0: Yeah, but it was in it was in London, so it was definitely not cheap, probably. And it was run by uh, an older lady who, like, was you know very old school. So she, I don't think she wanted uh, men upstairs, which um, you know is fine and um so anyway she, she yeah
1: this this actress is the late diana rigg and this yes. was her her last acting role
0: right and that's yeah um and for anyone who knows diana rigg was uh tracy on her Majesty's, which was i should look it up i think it was in the late late 60s could be wrong, but, um, but regardless, um, you, you still, you still have these, these sixties themes as Madison was pointing out with the clothes and, uh, the clothes she was wearing and the music she's listening to and, um, uh, and it's in London. So, you know, think about how big James Bond was in the sixties and, and also in London and also think about the Beatles. It was just, um, it was a really good time to be in London is like almost one of the cultural centers of the world. And, um, anyway, her, uh, she, she, she gets to the place and she gets her job bartending and, you know, at night she falls asleep. And when she falls asleep, immediately she falls asleep and immediately she wakes up and she goes, I think she looks out her window and it looks like, it's bustling outside. So she goes outside. And <clears throat> the first thing she sees is, um, it's a big, it's a, because there's the, uh, an old movie theater across the street. She sees a big poster of, uh, Sean Connery as James Bond with uh, Thunderball, the Thunderball background. So she's like, what is going on here? Everyone, <laughs> the cars are in the sixties. Everyone's dressed in the sixties. It looks like a big party. Um, so she goes into a club and um, she meets this, she, she, uh, um, well, sorry, Matt, I'm gonna take over for a second.
1: Yeah, her. well, her intro into this club is, um, as she's walking in, there's like a wall of mirrors and we see Eloise, but in the mirror where she should be, is another young woman um, who is played by Anya Taylor-Joy. And um, in the scene, she's w- she's walking into the club and a young man welcomes her in. And I wanted to call this out because I recognized the actor mm-hmm. um, uh, because to film it and have her on one side of the beer and Anya Taylor-Joy on the other, they used twin actors, James and Oliver Phelps, who um, I recognized because they played fred and george weasley in the harry potter movies but uh i thought that was a very cool filming technique
0: that is cool yeah the mirrors played a lot played a big part in this movie yeah um and anyway she there's another older guy that's hitting on her and um she ends up meeting matthew smith the former dr no Doctor and Who, <laughs> Doctor Who, Doctor Who. Sorry, and uh, and um, he's really charming to her. He takes up for her. I think he scares off the old, the older man, and yeah. and uh, she expresses how she, you know, she wants to be a uh, she want the Anna Taylor Joy wants to be a singer, and so so Eloise is just a voyeur at this point. Yeah. Like, she's along for the ride, and she sees this this young girl who just moved to London, like herself, uh, with dream, big dreams, like herself, wants to be a singer, and so she meets up with... she's
1: loving it, because this is, like... It. She feels like she was born in the wrong time.
0: Right. And and she's like, oh, my gosh, this this girl's getting opportunities. I came here for opportunities. This is great. Um, so then... And... Uh, um,
1: yeah. I'm so sorry. Hmm? I... This next scene... The da- are you going to talk? I was I wanted to talk about the dancing scene. Go ahead. Um, because I think it is my favorite scene in the movie. Um, it's this continuous shot of the three main actors in the scene dancing together, but only two at a time to get that effect of Anya Taylor Joy and Thomas and Mackenzie continually replacing each other in the scene. Mm -hmm. so um but that's that's like crazy hard to do in a continuous shot where they're not you know making any cuts so I saw behind the scenes of how they filmed it and they have um like the camera is following Thomas and Mackenzie as she spins around Matt Smith and the moment his body uh blocks the camera line Anya Taylor-Joy jumps up and takes his hand and um is the one we see coming around the front and meanwhile that's cool yeah meanwhile thomas and mckenzie had to like duck to the ground and crawl and then roll around and then hop up so she'll be ready to take his hand in the next scene where they're gonna um so the the filming of that scene is so very cool and i i can only imagine how much they had to rehearse it because they had to be so precise and so very clever um, to get that shot. Right. Yeah.
0: I mean, from what you're saying, it's especially because also, I mean, they were surrounded by mirrors the whole time too.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh yes. Yeah, so she, uh, Eloise and I keep forgetting the character's name. Um,
1: Sandy.
0: Sandy. So Eloise and Sandy are definitely enthralled with this guy and so um, Eloise goes to school the next day and I think it's because she had a a good night's sleep or well she had a good night's sleep she's starting to see more positive so she's bringing that to her classes and she's designing a dress similar to what Sandy wore Um, so she's she's very positive mode she's ignoring the the bullies and And she
1: yeah. uh dyes her hair blonde dyes
0: match, her hair blonde oh yeah us uh, andy's so then the she's looking forward she's like I can't wait to get home and go to sleep so she goes home <laughs> she, goes, she goes home after, i think after work goes home oh uh yeah goes home goes to sleep and um has the dream again and matt smith at this point um at this point matt smith um he has her audition for a smaller club, singing, yeah. and the club owner's like, "Oh yeah, she's that's she's it. She's got the job. She's got the job." And so Matt smith's like, "Yeah." So there you go. And they go out for a night on the town and have a good time, and and then go back to her place. Which, by the way, I I think her her room is the room that Eloise is renting. Yep. And so uh, Eloise asks Diana Rig the next morning, like, "Hey, did?" Uh, like did a blonde girl named Sandy used to stay here in the sixties? And she's like, we oh, yeah, had so many people living here in the sixties. I, I can't remember. She's like, okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, she goes back to school and then, um, this is, this is where it takes a weird turn. So she goes back to school. Uh, the teacher's complimenting her look, complimenting the dress she's working on. Um, there's a, there's a guy at the school that clearly has a crush on her. And so, so now she has a friend also, and, um, uh, she goes back home, goes to sleep the next day. And this, this, yep.
1: I think it's, it might be worth mentioning that while she's working at this bar in, in between whenever, you know, whenever she can, um, she starts to see a recurring customer guy, um, sorry is that the actor's name yes okay and it's just a um very dapper looking uh older man that we just start seeing places sorry anyway go ahead yeah That'll, no that see, will, I think it will become you're... important
0: yeah and I, I think that she's also not getting good vibes from
1: her no yeah she's she's like many of the interactions she's had with older men in the city he's kind of a creeper um uh yeah go ahead oh and i also think it's worth mentioning just a quick trigger warning um for the rest of this recap and review there's going to be some themes of discussion of assault so uh just a quick warning out there
0: yeah so um, she goes back to sleep and then the that night she that night she goes into Eloise's dream and Eloise is like you, oh sorry Sandy is Sandy is pretty happy and then then she goes to the club to meet Matt Smith and Matt Smith just turns on her and says it's basically saying that well, he's her pimp and he said he basically points her in the direction of you have to you have to start. Uh, these are you have to, These are your these are your clients at this point. And to me, that I'm going to use a wrestling term here that heel yeah. turn uh, that he did was yeah. was wild to me because you're so used to. Him. I have not seen him as a, as a, a villain before. And no, me either. Yeah, did that kind of catch you off guard? Well.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, because like. Um, you're predisposed to like him.
0: <laughs> right.
1: You're, you're predisposed to like him from the previous roles he's done. And his character starts off really very charming. Yeah. Um, but you get kind of a hint that things are not. You, you get a hint just before it happens that. Things are not as they appear because when she is when Sandy is at her new job at this club where she thought she was auditioning for the role of lead singer, mm-hmm. um, we see her and she is a backup dancer, but like a backup oh, dancer yeah. as a part of a strip show. Yeah. Um, and so that's when, and she is not, obviously she, she thought it was something She's like, totally this is different. a bait and switch. Yes, totally. So then she goes to dinner with Matt Smith and i don't know this guy's name i'm sorry i I keep calling him matt smith um but she's at dinner with him and uh somebody that he kind of makes out to be like a business partner or something you know Mm. some important i think it's really is
0: like financier yeah
1: yeah some important wealthy man that he needs to keep happy so then it, it starts to go as you said
0: I can't recall I think he I think that later that night uh, he assaulted her and so at this point when Eloise is watching nightmare it's a complete nightmare yeah
1: Yeah, she watches this woman that she's been idolizing get sexually assaulted and then get forced because she's essentially in an abusive relationship now um, and is is you know, the person she thought was her boyfriend is now her pimp. So, yeah.
0: And so, uh, and also he's violent. And, and so anyway, um, at this point, Eloise wakes up after the nightmare and uh, goes to school. And the one positive thing at school is the, well, was the teacher. But then after seeing this, Eloise is just like, I'm, I don't want to even do make this dress anymore. Yeah, which is was yeah. which is what the high praise the teacher was giving her. So things are falling apart at school, and then um, the one positive thing she has is her friend, the guy that has a crush on her. And so, um, I mean, that's the only positive thing that has period now at this point. <laughs> and so, um, he invites her to a Halloween a Halloween party, and I'm blurry on what happened at the Halloween party, but he gets her to go. They go to the Halloween party, and she starts seeing these the Matthew Smith as the villain everywhere at the in the library at school. Uh, she goes to a, a Halloween party with her friend, and, and I think she sees Matthew Smith there too, right?
1: Yeah, she's yeah, she's seeing these apparitions, and I uh, his name is Jack. I just remembered Jack. his character's <laughs> name is Jack.
0: Yeah, so she doesn't. She, I mean, she's not sleeping well at this point because each night she goes to sleep and she just sees this girl being assaulted and um, by Jack and his friends. And so, um, uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, so she uh, she asked the late. Uh, I, I think well, one night. Sorry, go on.
1: After the the Halloween party, she gets really really upset, and this guy that has been, uh. Um, very sweet to her, he has a crush on her. Um, he takes her back to her um, place because, you know, she's, she's very upset, but she wants him to stay, and um, things start to escalate. They, they start to get sexual, but then she has a vision um, of Sandy being murdered in the bed. Um, being stabbed in the bed by Jack um, aka Matt Smith and she absolutely freaks out she's screaming and um, Mm -hmm. the older woman who owns the building Diana Rigg forbade men from coming upstairs so she runs in to see what's happening and gets upset and thinks um, you know she there's a young woman on a bed screaming with a man on top of her so she thinks Mm -hmm. it's it's the boy and she drives him out. Um, And so she, she goes to the police to try to say, I just saw a woman being murdered. Um, And she thinks at this point that the silver haired, the older man that she's seeing everywhere must be Matt Smith, AKA Jack all grown up. Um, But of course the police don't, Take her seriously because she's describing a, a hallucination, essentially.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she says I see it every time I go to sleep, and so the police are just not taking it seriously.
1: Yeah,
0: and um, and so anyway, um, I think. Well, I, I'm really fuzzy on this part. What what would happen next?
1: So she starts going through old newspaper records, um, to try to find out about Sandy's murder, because she feels this intense kinship for this woman. Um, Mm -hmm. and she was, while Sandy was getting murdered, it was like, there was a a mirror separating them almost. And, Mm -hmm. uh, Eloise was like banging on the mirror, trying to reach her, trying to help her. So she is now obsessed with finding sandy's killer um who she thinks is this old man um and she's getting increasingly strung out this these uh faceless spirits keep manifesting around her and they're these men that are like the representations of all of the men that sandy was forced to sleep with um so she is absolutely losing it and she uh, finally finds and confronts the older man mm-hmm. um, when he's because the-
0: he keeps going to her bar.
1: Yes. When he's at the bar and um, he is angrily he angrily denies that he killed Sandy and tells her Alex killed Sandy and um Sandy's full name was Alexandra so he's upset he's angry and he leaves the pub only to get hit by a car and uh, he dies um, and so the pub you know freaks out the owner of the pub tells uh, Eloise that the man's name is Lindsay and Eloise remembers in one of her dreams where she was Sandy, uh, Lindsay was actually an undercover cop who was trying to get Sandy out of her situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, the, things are going very poorly. Um, she, Ellie is completely devastated. She decides to leave London, the boy that she has been, you know, somewhat seeing drives her back to her house and she informs, um, Diana Rigg that she is leaving. Uh, Diana Rigg tells her that a detective came by asking about Sandy's murder. Um, but there's another heel turn here, um, to to copy your turn. Mm -hmm. Um, she reveals that she is Sandy and explains that Ellie's vision of Sandy's death was actually a vision of Sandy killing Jack. Um, Cause Jack came at Sandy with a knife. And so Sandy grabbed the knife and turned it on him and killed him. But then she started luring all of the men that she was pimp to back to her room and killing each of them and then hiding the bodies in the house's floors and walls. Um, And she's telling Ellie all of this over a cup of tea. And so then after dropping these bombs, she says she real reveals that she has drugged the tea and intends to kill Ellie to ensure her silence. Um, So they start, you know, physically fighting Ellie's fighting for her life and, um, and a cigarette falls and starts igniting the house. Um, The boy that drove Ellie there runs in to help her, but is immediately stabbed by Diana Riggs character with her and a knife between Ellie and the door. Ellie decides to run upstairs um, to her room and in there the apparitions that she's been seeing she realizes are all of sandy's victims and um they beg her to kill the older miss sandy but ellie can't do it um and sandy comes into ellie's room where she sees the spirits as well and gets slapped by the ghost of jack um and at this point they hear the police outside, so Sandy goes to cut her own throat, but Ellie stops her, and tells her she understands why she killed the men. Um, and Sandy tells Ellie to save herself and the boy from the fire, and then stays in the building as it burns down. Um, and it's some time passes. And we see Ellie um, doing some kind of design show. Her dresses are showcased uh, uh, on a runway. 60s Um, themed. Yes, all of her clothes are 60s themed. She is congratulated by her grandmother and um, her boyfriend. And as she is um, passing a mirror, she sees Sandy in the mirror. And Sandy waves and blows her a kiss. And that is the end of the movie.
0: All right, and so Bassin, thank you for uh, picking it up because you did a good job. Um, so you didn't, you didn't like the movie.
1: I did not. I did not. I, um, I thought the beginning part was enjoyable. Like I was, you know, you're kind of getting to know what the movie is. Um, there were things here and there that annoyed me. I thought the thing with the bullies at school was stupid. Um well, how else
0: are you going to get it out of the dorm? I,
1: I, I mean, a lot of ways. Um, but the, but I was still kind of giving the movie the benefit of the doubt,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then the ending for me made it all fall apart um cuz i i i don't think this movie knows what it's about
0: <laughs> no i agree with you that was that was my problem too
1: okay um, i liked
0: it i liked it because of the nostalgia um and i mean i like james bond and i like the beatles <laughs> and i mean i just like you know reading stuff of that era um and i think actually that was the thing is the, the movie like when it when you are first introduced to it, you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is so cool, 60s London," and then it takes that big turn uh, where, you know, it wasn't great for everybody. And um, I think that was I, I actually I thought that was one of the messages, and then it, it did the turn at the end with Sandy as the adult, and then um, that's when I was just like, "Oh, this this movie was a." it tried to be a lot of different things at once.
1: I think it did. I think it, for me, it was just, it was all, it was all style and visually this movie was stunning. Yeah. Um, but this, it was really, really lacking in substance because um, it's ostensibly supposed to be a very, you know, female centric movie, but And it could have been. It could have been so cool because we're seeing these two young women, Ellie and Sandy, um, connect to each other. And um, it could have been about, you know, solidarity and trauma. But instead, the last act of this movie is to pit these women against each other. So that felt really weird. Mm, Um, Yeah. And throughout the movie, I the only positive relationship that Ellie has with a woman is really her grandma. I mean, there's her teacher, but her teacher says like two sentences to her in the whole movie. Right. Um, she's so that the effect of having this weird contrived conflict with the other classmates, because she's at a design school and is being a designer. <laughs> um it it, in effect it isolates her from all of the other women so the only the strongest relationship the strongest positive relationship she has in this movie are her grandma and the boyfriend right um which for for my experiences personally rings so so false because uh, you know, like I, I struggled to find my niche in, in college a little bit, but I feel like that's normal. And then when I went to a school that specialized in my field, it was like coming home. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It was, Oh, these are my people. (laughs) These are, these are all of the people that I can talk to about things that bore everybody else. Um, and, but every place I've gone, it's, something that comes up again and again in this movie and it's true is that the world can be a difficult place for women um, and so female friendships are like so important because they have to be it's it is almost survival you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, so that just that just rang really false to me that in in this movie that's supposed to be very female centric one of the the core relationship the core positive relationship is the boy um, and then I don't you know a lot of it is violence against women but I don't think that it I think there's a difference between depicting something and critiquing it mm-hmm. and I don't think this movie really was a critique I think um, it
0: critiqued it. The first half, I think it critiqued it.
1: Exactly, exactly. So it could have been, but then at the end, the character... Oh, Eleanor, Eleanor. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Um, Eleanor, it's okay. Um, in the end, the character who is been, you know, abused is the villain um and becomes a woman who attacks young girls so that kind of falls apart you know um Mm -hmm. and is it is it supposed to be punishing people for nostalgia i don't think so because it's kind of a love letter to the 60s to london in the 60s um and i so i don't i don't know i just think it kind of it kind of falls apart it it didn't deliver it made so many promises that were really cool but by the end it just didn't deliver for me
0: yeah that's fair i i actually felt the same way the first half of the movie i really enjoyed it but yeah it just it I, i wouldn't even say it lost its wind it was just really it was almost like it was written by two different people with different ideas of what they wanted to make
1: I think you just hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I really do because uh, it was co-written by Edgar Wright and um, oh, I don't know, I don't know the other person, but I know it was a woman. So I think maybe they had very different ideas of what this movie was. Um, yeah. So I think you, I think you just nailed it. Um, and I'll also say I so I didn't know much about this movie going in. I only knew what I saw from like brief clips on Instagram. Um, but the impression I had was also of more of a horror. So that's the
0: trailer. The trailer was a straight up horror and it really yeah. like a slasher horror. And it's not,
1: yeah. no, not at all. It's like, it's, um, it's as much horror as Black Swan is horror. So to me, it's more psychological thriller. It's not really scary. You're mostly just have watching a woman have a breakdown. Yeah. Um, so I think that's another thing where it just, it set my expectations wrong. Because if, if I had gone in knowing exactly what this movie was, I think I would have enjoyed it more. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I I went in because I, I, I really liked the director and I heard there were going to be all these nods to the Bond franchise and it was just, it was not what I was expecting <laughs> on the second half. So, um, I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, I would have to give it a, a 5 because the 5 is for the first half and then this is 0 for the second <laughs> half. but Um, what about you
1: i love that rating and i fully agree it's a it's a five for me too it's not it's not the worst movie i've seen no it's it's just i think it i think it sucks because it has so much potential we see all of the potential in that first half
0: i would recommend watching the first half and then turning it off and, and going to watch thunderball
1: I like that suggestion. Oh my gosh. I thought of something else that I wanted to mention to you. What? Um, did you feel a little bit, maybe this was just a me thing. I felt a little bit like her mom um, was kind of used as like the Chekhov's gun. Like her yeah. mom is introduced. The very, very beginning is so drenched in her mother's history with mental illness, how that's going to affect her she sees her mom in the mirror when she's leaving the house. And it was about, you know, her mom went and, and tried to do this too and failed. Um, but then after the first like 10 minutes, aside from roommate the roommate and her group, teasing her about her mom committing suicide, which was another weird thing. Um, aside from that, her mom doesn't really have a role to play in the movie. Cause no, yeah. I kept thinking like when we, the first time we saw Sandy before we knew she was a singer or anything like that, I was like, Oh, is this her mom? Is she, is she living out? Is she getting to see her mom since she, you know, missed a large chunk of her life. Um, And then that was proven wrong. But I just, I kept thinking we were going to see her mom in the sixties since she was there in London. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no. Um, Hereditary, a movie with Tony Collette, did that perfectly. So I thought, I thought that the the beginning they were they were hinting at the the mom's mental illness and everything, and and how it was going to be one of those where she asked herself like, am I, am I the the one that is like having problems? And but there was no question of that at all. It was all like this is real. This is a hundred percent real. And then the audiences weren't really like putting that in question either because as you said they mentioned in the very beginning and then that was it yeah so I, I think that that might have been like the first writer was like hey I have this great idea where we're going to have the audience and herself question if this stuff is real and then the second director was like oh <laughs> <Right>. no or <laughs> like, we're not going to we're not going to go with that
1: yeah yeah because there was um, there's a, a scene in the movie where uh, she's having one of the early dreams everything is still rosy between Sandy and Jack and um, Jack gives Sandy a hickey and when Eloise wakes up she has a hickey so it is It is like oh this is real this is yeah. happening to her body whatever is happening right? Um, but
0: and that actually stopped ending too like what was happening in the dream came like that actually stopped too there was just a lot of inconsistency
1: yeah yeah.
0: But did you did you read any reviews that you thought hit this on the hit the hit nail on the head or actually went the opposite or anything?
1: Um I did. I do want to uh read a couple of reviews that I thought that are very short that I thought were funny. Okay. Um Todd the, these are all of mine this week uh, are from Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Um Todd R gave 3 stars and said hot tub time machine did it better <laughs> wow and, and I haven't seen hot tub time machine but that really cracked me up um, and then uh, the, the other review that I thought was short but funny is from uh, Gerard S who gave it three stars and said she sees ghosts and makes clothes um, that's good she, yeah uh but uh a great soundtrack but somewhat of a mess of things towards the end that's uh, true Yep. Yeah. yeah um so the um longer review that I liked is okay well I you know liked in quotes um is one star from Robert H uh who is a little harsher than i think is warranted but um here we go again maybe 30 minutes of story stretched to feature length over earnest wooden acting except for a bit by diana rig and overall a pristinely hackneyed unexciting not scary derivative borefest. the one star is for rig <laughs> otherwise it would be zero the two leads, though both talented and gorgeous, somehow managed to be almost completely inconsequential. And the end is really, really stupid. This is all the director's fault, completely.
0: That's, so Yeah, that's pretty good.
1: So, yeah. I, I I don't know that I would call it wooden acting because um, I do think with the material they had, they did a good job. Um But I do agree. I think that there I think that there wasn't a lot of story. It was all about the visuals um, which were incredible. Um, And Diana Rigg was such an awesome part of the movie. And I didn't know what was going to happen, but I did feel like uh, you probably thought the same thing. Whenever she shows up to this house and Diana Rigg is the landlady, I was like all right, what's Diana Rigg going to do? Because they're not going to waste her as a landlady. But you know they did. I mean?
0: <laughs> they <laughs> Until did. Until the very end, yeah.
1: Right. So um, and I also wouldn't say this is all the director's fault because it's also the writer's fault. But in this case, yeah. the, du- the director did both. So I'm right. sorry. It- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right.
0: No, I, this is my least favorite of his movies. And I was actually, I only have one review Okay. And I was just a short one, I was really just so disappointed in the movie. Um, because like I said, I like the era, I I, I like the director, it just didn't deliver. And um, this was on Rotten Tomatoes, it was from a critic, so there are no stars, but this is uh, exactly in line with what I was feeling is Last Night in Soho is a stirring yet deeply flawed production. Your overall takeaway will depend on how willing you are to forgive its third act. Mm.
1: I and mean, that's wow. nail on the head. Yeah, that's great.
0: All right. Yeah. Well, it's it, you know I will say this is our first review that is on uh, it. I, this is definitely a dud. <laughs> so. Um, oh. Yeah.
1: Um, and I think it's worth saying that I another reason I was so surprised at why at not liking this movie. Um, we're in the minority, I think. Oh, because yeah. oh, yeah. the Rotten Tomato score is like way higher than I thought. I forget what it was, but I want to say it's in like 80s, maybe for audience. Um,
0: audience is 90.
1: Oh my god!
0: Critics is 76. Yeah, I think I honestly think that a lot of it might be the Edgar Wright biasness.
1: Maybe. maybe
0: and honestly, true. he would be all he would he would be a great James Bond director. Just looking at this, he would he would be great. So I I mean just the aesthetic of this in the beginning, he would be great. And then I that's, yeah. make, hopefully this was just an audition for that.
1: Yeah. Well, and um even though it's got such a high rating, as I was looking through reviews, a lot of the like four-star reviews and, and um, would say like, great. I loved it. um The ending was still a little messy, but I really enjoyed, you know, so yeah. I think, I think it's i think people are being patient yeah i think the review you read totally nailed it of it entirely depends on um how much you can forgive that last twist
0: yeah well i think the next the next few reviews um is going to are going to be very different because it's (laughs) a very different uh the very different medium it's a television and it's also um a very different style so the next review uh, that uh that will be on my brother made me review this is the show peacemaker so <laughs> for our listeners uh we plan to do are eight uh season uh, sorry there are eight episodes so we're going to be doing two by two by two so the first review will be the episodes one and two and then three and four and then five and six and seven and eight so um I recommend starting to watch these. They're on HBO Max, and uh, I'm just really looking forward to reviewing these. And, And yeah. uh,
1: The way that Matthew... So, Matt didn't play me a trailer for Peacemaker. Instead, he played me the opening credits. Yeah. It's incredible. I highly recommend anybody that is thinking about watching Peacemaker or has just heard us say the name and thought, what the heck is this? Just watch the opening credits and that will tell you everything you need to know.
0: I don't even like to skip it. I mean, if I, no. each episode <laughs> it was, it was, I was like, I don't want to skip this. People <laughs> yeah. I'm watching it with wanted to skip it, but I would really delay hitting the skip button.
1: Yep. It's pretty
0: great. <laughs> All right. Well, um, for anyone who has any feedback or suggestions for us, you can reach us at this at gmail.com. And we're always looking and, um thank you for listening to us so from me matt uh your co-host thanks for listening and we look forward to uh seeing you next week for episodes one and two of peacemaker and madison do you have anything you'd like to add
1: um no just thank you for listening and i hope you watch the opening credits and join us next week
0: all right well bye everybody
1: bye